You're listening to Self Worst. This is a podcast about failure, inspiration, day jobs, bad habits, and mental health. We talk about spiritualism, we talk about art, we talk about imposter syndrome, perfectionism, mediocrity, and meritocracy. We do sometimes talk about sexual assault, suicidal ideation, trauma, and whatnot. Yeah, we go there. So, you know, be advised. Each week, artists, losers, dirtbags, musicians, degenerates, comedians, actors, fuck-ups, scholars, crazies, filmmakers, veterans, sluts, commies, weirdos, activists, addicts, teachers, fatties, queers, and all other types of beautiful people join me, Brad Pearson. Not a doctor. Not a therapist. Not an expert. In a discussion of what to do with this stupid, sacred life. Are you blessed or are you cursed With a strong imagination and a spiritual thirst Do you want to confide about the darkness inside Come and talk about it on Self-Worst Okay, sure, another episode of Self-Worst Why not? Why not at this point? I've been making them Let's just keep doing it Let's just keep on Happy September It's been September. It's almost October. Jesus. Finally feeling like September. Nice, cool, and crispy air. Very nice. We're enjoying that. Had a nice birthday weekend. Went out to the beach. Dottie likes the beach. We all like the beach. Had had an okay week. Uh, Kind of a stressful week. I I just took a COVID test. It's negative. I'm fine. But I took it because I was feeling kind of... Uh, just feeling run down today. I was feeling, like, tired. And I think it's just because life is exhausting. And I haven't been doing anything particularly uh, out of the ordinary. Did a moving job today. I guess that's... I guess that's theoretically tiring, but I'm used to it. I'm a strong boy. But... Just felt kind of like, ugh, ugh, God, I better make sure I don't. So I took a test. It's fine. Had an exhausting week, though, emotionally. Dottie got a little sick last weekend, the day before my birthday. She uh, was running around, feeling great. She was really tearing around in a park and then just sort of like, yeah, just got sick. Just like out of nowhere. Kind of collapsed and like was just all weak and. Uh, <clears throat> things got, I don't know, it was, it was scary. Didn't like that. Didn't need that shit the day before my birthday. I was like, I don't need this. Not right now. Sucks. I don't know. We took her to the vet. Things are fine. She seems to be okay. It was just one of those fluke things, apparently. Um, they couldn't find anything wrong. She seems okay and healthy now. But yeah, oh my god. That's the last thing I want. I don't care about anybody as much as I care about my dog. And I know that that's maybe a little weird. I know that uh, as a millennial, I'm projecting a lot of my uh, paternal instincts onto a dog. Because I'm probably never going to have a child. So so what? So what do you want me to do? What do you want me to have a kid? Really? Think about that for a second. Do you? Give me a million dollars. 
then we'll talk. I don't know. Transport us all back in a time machine a good 80 years before the decline of uh, civilization and climate apocalypse. And maybe, yeah, maybe I'd feel more comfortable having a kid. I don't know. Right now, my dog is my daughter. And she's the most innocent and pure and beautiful thing in the world. And if the universe is getting her sick and not feeling good, then I got a bone to pick with the universe. You can do whatever you want to me. You can do whatever you want, honestly, to... uh, I mean, my loved ones, they're all tough. They can handle it. They're human beings. They're grown-ups. They can they can deal with shit that life throws at them. She's just a little dog. She's just a little baby. I don't I don't want her fucking dealing with anything. Literally, all I want in the world is for my dog to have a nice, healthy, happy, positive life. That's all I want. Long, healthy life for my baby. That's it. I don't care about anything else. I'll fucking kill you, God. I will attack and dethrone God. Fucks with my dog. Not happening. We talked last week. I was having a little, you know, I, was, uh, I went on a little bit of a thing about it. I was having some bad body image stuff happening last week. That's still kind of going. What are you going to do? That's just a... That's been a thing. That's going to be a thing. I don't like it. I wish I wasn't thinking about it. Wish I wasn't thinking about it right now. I am. I forgot to close the door and there's a mirror on the door and I'm looking at myself as I talk right now and I don't like that. Ugh. Face is so red. Hair so frizzy. Fucking fuck. Ugh. Terrible. Bad self-image. I wish I wasn't the kind of guy who would walk into a room and instantly size everybody up based on their looks and their physicality. I don't like having that thought. I don't like being that guy. Shouldn't matter. It doesn't matter in how I treat people. I think that's the important part. But it matters how I treat myself. It affects how I treat myself. You know what I'm saying? And it's not good. It's pretty mean. I'm pretty mean. To me. I'm I'm fairly nice to other people, I like to think. I don't know. Not a perfect track record. That's my week. Yeah, dog scare. Uh, health. Thought I had COVID for five minutes. Uh, I, I don't. I'm fine. That's about it. This week, we're talking to esteemed comedian Brittany Carney. It was nice to finally have her on the show. Uh, it was difficult. Uh, to, to, to get her over here because I fucked up and I well you'll hear about this I fucked up the address sent her to the wrong place stupid uh, you know but par for the course for this show so it's a little bit of a shorter interview we didn't have time but it was a good talk it was a good vibe this was, uh, this was very nice uh, that's all I'm gonna let's go to the interview now um, 
and I'll talk to you on the other side of this. Goodbye. My mistakes. It's okay. This is a podcast about fucking up and about mistakes. Great. So, you know, it's par for the course. I've been doing it for like four years. Um, oh, really? Nice. Yeah, this is like episode, it'll be episode 102, and I'm still uh, screwing up. So, for the listener, uh, we're recording right now, by the way. Um, I, uh, I I sent Brittany, uh, my guest, Brittany Carney, to the wrong address because uh, I have not gotten used to uh, entering my new address at my new apartment just yet. And uh, so she was wandering around uh, down by the Red Hook Pool, and uh, that's not where I live. Uh, so uh, here we are, and we're, uh, you know, I, I tried to make it all cute this morning because uh, it was our first uh, guest in our new house, and I wanted to, uh, you know, uh, 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 make it presentable, look professional. I brought donuts, I brewed some coffee, and I had it all just sitting here, and now we have to, like, cram the donuts as we eat. I apologize to those of you with misophonia. You're just going to have to listen to some chewing sounds as we eat and talk, because I'm going to have to leave for work. We're just going to we're gonna cram this interview in. We're going to do it. It's going to be okay. We're determined. We can do this. Okay, folks, you with me? Brittany, you with me? I am. All Thank right. Thank you for having me. Thank, yeah, thanks for coming and, uh, you know, uh, and, and, and getting here when oh, you can get here. Yeah, I appreciate it the tour. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, look, Red Hook, it's a fun place to walk around. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a nice little, it's a cute little It famously is a place. fun place to walk around. It is. I mean, this is, I mean, we see um, not only, like, we used to live right across from DeFonte's, the famous sandwich shop. Oh, okay. Uh, it's like legendary oh, Italian it. sandwiches. Ooh, cool. um, and um, you'd get not only like people from all over New York and the tri-state area coming in, but like oh. German tourists. Really? Yeah. And they're like, that was DeFonte's. I heard <laughs> it was like, it's in their guidebook or whatever. And it's um, like, they're like having like a real authentic new york experience what's your either what are they famous for like what do you like to order? they got just like uh you know the italian combo you know just like okay. a gabagool sandwich cool. you know just Different. with yeah mm. with thin meats thinly sliced yeah. <laughs> nitrate heavy meats things like that it. um you know uh, they got a meatball they got a chicken palm, mm. they got a veal palm, they got a you know, whatever you want. Hey. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like um, they've been around for like close to 100 years in that same building. Oh. Like they're a real, they're the place. You remember that episode of 30 Rock? You know what? Uh, you've never seen it? I've never seen 30 Rock. Well, but there's an episode of 30 Rock where uh, the Teamsters every year they go to some secret sandwich spot in Brooklyn oh. and get the best sandwiches in the world and it's like this celebrated day at you know at, at the show right and in like the office yeah got it's it. DeFonte's like they don't oh, call it by name but it, it definitely is that's cool what um, a little New York secret yeah I know right <laughs> I love it um, yeah uh, they're great but um, make me feel better talk about some recent mistakes that you've made oh you've, I've made so many uh, let, let's let's uh, let's go into that <laughs> for a little bit okay I made a lot of mistakes um um, I recently, okay, I recently, like, asked, someone, like, went through something that was, like, a, per, like, in the past month, something, like, uh, personal, like, like a, fam like, a loss to someone close to them. Yeah. And I, um, found out just because I had to ask them a question, so the, uh, like, about something else, like, something logistically, and then 
Um, when they told me what had happened and what they were like doing, you know, away with family for the moment, I initially responded like, of course, with a lot of care and concern. And then more recently, I had an issue where I needed to find out the answer to something or like, an, and I, I reached out to them. I texted and I was like, I'm so sorry, but do you know if like blah, blah, blah. And I, and then there's a response and I believe that I really made a mistake. I think it was not the appropriate time to ask someone like a question about logistics. Right. So I, I really, I think it's that, that feeling of like, they were like grieving their brother or something. You were like, what's your Netflix password or what's uh <laughs> Hey, so, in so many uh, words. So that's something that I, maybe two days ago that settled in is like, Oh, I need to um, address this. So that is a, what's that word I'm thinking of? Like not sociopersonal, but it's like a em personal emotional mistake that mm -hmm. I think that I've committed recently. Um, did you patch it up with them? Did you did you clear the air? Yeah. How did they take it? Were they cool with it? Oh, yeah, fine. But I think that it was, yes, but it was because, you know how, okay, this is a little bit, a bit of a tangent, but it's really relevant. You know how sometimes when you text someone something and they don't respond right away, you can kind of tell in the air whether it's because they're actually, like, just busy or, like, saw it or processed the thoughts yeah. that respond. And then also sometimes you can tell after a day, like, that they're mad. Uh, mad or whatever, See, yeah. most people can tell. I always assume it's because they're mad at me or don't like me. That's just my go-to, like, assumption. Yeah, Not that I they're busy. It's, relate it, to that. It's, it's, like, it's, for me, it's always just like, oh, shit, what did I do? What did I say? What, what did I Yeah. Did they, uh, did they not like a thing I said? Did I, like, I, I go back through my tweets, like, did I say something offensive? Did yeah. I, I go back through their texts, I'm like, what did I say? Ah, oh, shit, like, is it because I said that, or is it because I did this, or it's because I'm like this? Right. You know? We're so prone to... They talked to this person who I screwed over five years ago, yeah. you know? Like, <laughs> right. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah they, they met this person who I ghosted at a party or something, and they're like, oh, he's an asshole. Okay, cool. You know? Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's a mistake. I, another kind of mistake that I made recently uh, is, um, so, like, my life recently experienced a bit of a change. Like, I just got a new job that's, mm -hmm. like, really exciting and in something that I've been trying to do f for years. Can and you say what the job is? Sure. It's a, well, um, I'm writing for uh, a series, a comedy series on um, home box office, but I'm not sure if I can wow. say which one it is. That's so, okay. That's a big girl job though. Yeah. So yeah. I just got this, like this is my second week. Wow. And it was a bit chaotic because, oh fuck, I made several mistakes. Okay. So, but not related to the job. <laughs> right. It's related to the job that I had to leave. So, um, I was working at an independent school in, in Bed-Stuy, um, and in the week before classes started, so this was like three weeks ago, really, I, um, there was like a week of work, like teachers had to come in before the kids showed up, and then I was supposed to get, I guess, a, um, a rapid and PCR, is it PCR is the word? Yeah. PC, P, yeah, PCR. PCR. Uh, uh, COVID test before like the teachers entered the building for orientation, mm -hmm. but I interpreted as we just needed to get these before the kids showed up like a week later. So I just went to this. And then like after I left the building, after the day of meetings and whatnot, I, uh, like a staff person emailed me and was like, hi, I'm just checking on your you know test results. And then I was like, fuck. And so then I, uh, it was like, oh, I'm so sorry. This is how I misinterpreted it. And then, and then the HR person was like, so does this mean that you didn't get, um, 
that you were in the building without a COVID test. And I'm vaccinated and we are all vaccinated. But of course, right now it's important in a school particularly to right. be on top of that. So that was a genuine mistake. And then the other mistake, um, my the third one that I'll mention in this um, little series is, so the day that I found out that I got the writing job, I was like scrambling. I had taught kindergarten and then I had to go on the Amtrak to go to DC for a show at a club there. And because of the kindergarten schedule, I ended up having to get on a later train so that I would miss the first show. And I had communicated with the headliner and the feature of this comedy show. And I know the staff of the club very well because I came up through comedy in DC. But I completely failed to like take the last step and also communicate with the venue. And I didn't realize that it had created confusion until the next day. So I felt really badly about that. Were they short on answering texts or after that? No, this is what happened. It's actually kind of interesting. So um, when I got there, everything was fine. And a lot of the staff, I know anyway, and they were like very sweet and the mm-hmm. show went well. But the person who's like in charge of a lot of um, cogs, what's, what am I thinking of? like a lot of the mechanisms, yeah. like logistics was not there. And the next day, they usually are like very, they'll like hug me. <laughs> I, I just heard Brittany. And then I was like, hi. And then I could tell immediately their body language that they were like, Ugh. and then I was like, and then, yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, I felt really badly. And it was a complete, like, I don't know. I had really just brain fart and I was kind of like running around and I'm already pretty bad at like general, like, task management so i just kind of was like i just have to get to dc so you've said you're kind of scatterbrains oh Um, yeah 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 i really i I mean has this always been just a a, a thing Mm -hmm. do you think it's uh like a diagnosable like an adhd oh yeah i've been diagnosed with adhd since i was like in first grade first grade that's early see i was i was diagnosed around that time kindergarten first grade something like that and i think you have to have like an intense case for them to be like, that kid is fucking hyper. Yeah. That kid won't shut the fuck up. So, like, for a kid. Yeah. And I think that for me, and they talk about this with, like, young girls and ADHD. It's mm-hmm. actually, so at the time I was diagnosed with just ADD. And now the H is in it for all cases. Just attention to Right, disorder. I've heard about this. So I was not hyperactive. I just wasn't, like, I had trouble focusing. They did this weird workaround thing where they're like, if you don't have hyperactivity, you have attention deficit hyperactivity disorder without hyperactivity and it's like just yeah. take the what, what do you do yeah right uh it really so so to your point like my mom explains that i had in like preschool i had like a new preschool teacher mm-hmm. and the new preschool teacher was like more she says she was like kind of tougher on me or like had more like complaints to my parents and it was like <laughs> that's that's my point. That my mom talks about that, and she associates it with like, okay, I think your daughter uh, operates a little bit differently sometimes. Right. Do you? What about your experience? Uh, I think it, the way my parents tell her, because I think I was a bit too young to even really remember, but they apparently like had to have like PTA meetings uh, or like par- you know what parent teacher meetings. Yeah. Uh, like routine ones, and like the teachers kept telling them. The only time I ever address Bradley in class is to tell him to <laughs> stop talk- talking, stop being disruptive, to calm down, mm-hmm. to sit down, to like 
we have to like we're doing class right now you can't be running like buzzing around the room like you know stuff like that and they were like oh okay what's up um mm -hmm. and i i wasn't getting great grades i mean this was like kind of pre-grades like I think we are on some sort of like progressive grading scale, you know, whatever. Right, 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 right. By right, the time right. I was oh, in yeah. school. Uh, so I wasn't going to, you know, like your son's getting F's in kindergarten because he's a dummy. You know, it's just like, <laughs> right. uh, it was like, hey, he's not doing so hot. Like, he's just like not like the things aren't clicking with him. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, they they diagnosed me pretty early. It was a, it was a tumultuous year. I got glasses and an ADHD. Oh. Uh, that is uh, a lot for a diagnosis and yeah and like within the same year and I was like okay so this is gonna set me apart I guess like I'm not but um, that said I feel like so many kids process differently and I would think that I think now there's like a better sense in certain school environments of like this kid is not set apart it's just what needs to be in place for this kid to thrive right like the paradigm changed but yeah it was I mean, neurodivergent yeah. i think totally is the, yeah you know, and the, like i think eventually i'm predicting what they're going to do with things like adhd is like mm -hmm. they're going to take the disorder word out yeah that seems to it's not really like a disorder necessarily like you know you, right. you talk about people on like the autism spectrum and yeah uh what a lot of them are saying is you know this isn't this should not be treated like a um, a malady or a, 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 a pathology. <laughs> like yeah. it's it's a it's a you know just a different like neurochemical arrangement. Um, um, yeah, right. A different. That's such an interesting point. Yeah. Attention deficit. I wonder where the language will evolve. My my other question for you is. Have you been wearing glasses since that age? Yeah, about. Um, I mean, I can kind of see without them, so I can like manage if I'm at the gym or whatever. I did try contacts for a while. I can do them, but I'm also, again, like staying on top of ordering them and keeping them like, you know, in one place and like stuff like that. That's like where my ADHD rears its head. No, I That's another thing for me to manage. <laughs> and, um, and it's like, also, like, they never fully felt comfortable in my eyes. I, like, mm. they, I was always sort of aware of them, and it always kind of bothered me. I can do it. Yeah. Um, and, like, I've been thinking about getting contacts again. To be honest, I've been thinking about getting LASIK or something. Oh, if I, like, I hear I'm, it. I'm sick of fucking wearing glasses. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, it, 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 they're expensive, if you don't yes. have like good vision insurance and you know, you got to pay, I don't even know what it is. It's like $200 a pack or something, yes. you know, and it's just like, yeah, or I could pay $200 for one pair of glasses that last me five years. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. I had so to, I'm just, yes. sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, it's just, it's, it's, uh, it's convenience and comfort outride just sort of vanity for me. My girlfriend's the opposite way. She'll wear contacts, uh, you know, any, time even like exercising even going to the oh, beach really? or like times when it's not super practical because she's like i hate how i look in glasses and i'm like fine huh. whatever, you know i think people look great in glasses generally like, i mean right yeah like, i mean in general like, this feelings. is an old yeah. pair actually oh, this is cool. this is a visual uh, not a, a a visual reference which is not playing great on a podcast but like my <laughs> old glasses a, a piece fell off of them yesterday so oh I shoot scramble to find my old pair See, these are glasses problems. You've never had to wear them? Oh, to the contrary, but I'm really new to it. Like, last summer, I got um, glasses for the first time, and I paid out of pocket because I had 
Well, I yeah, I didn't opt for visual insurance from the school job. So, um, yeah, during the lockdown, I could tell that I was like, I was, I was like squinting a lot, looking at screens, and also right before that, I was like processing the fact that if I, I like, um, I was struggling to read print, like that was more fine and like further away so like the train announcement screens in like Penn Station or whatever so anyway this all led to the summer of 2020 I got my eyes checked out and the literally he was like oh yeah you're right I has got a prescription for sure a juicy one um juicy one yeah which I'm assuming just means it's like it's like fucked up but I um so i I have glasses, but I'm not very good about wearing them. Mm, you'll get there. I mean, did you you asked like your uh, Poindexter friends for tips? Is that is that you went around to all of oh. like what's it like wearing glasses? How do I? Friends gave them to me kind of without like yeah. uncomfortable. So yes, and my parent, my whole family has glasses. Like my right. sister, my parents. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, let's. So you grew up in um, in Japan. Yeah. Uh, what was what was that like? Um. I well, I different feelings. I really love it, and I grew up in Tokyo, so mm-hmm. I feel like, uh, you know, when I reflect back on it as an adult, I think it's like a very lovely place to be a kid, mm-hmm. because um, they definitely, I would say, Japan societally like puts a lot of um, value on like creating like play spaces and like what ends like a very safe city or yeah. relatively. So, and my personal experience, of course, is like. It's pretty formative. We moved to the U.S. when I was um, in the middle of high school. And then I think for like, so, and then in college, I went back to Japan to study abroad for a year. And the point about this is that I realized something in that year, which is that I really felt really tied to Tokyo, but then have some like kind of maybe like issues that like general kind of like bones to pick with Japanese society more broadly in some areas like for example that it's xenophobic right but I don't think I processed that as a kid even though I was definitely experiencing it if that makes sense yeah that's that was going to be one of my questions I mean because it is I I mean a lot of Asian countries in general are are a lot more homogenic yeah yeah yeah, you know race wise but I think uh I mean Japanese culture in particular they have kind of a bad history of oh, some of that stuff. Quite. So yeah. there's just you know like uh, you don't you don't think of uh, Japan and think of like you know uh, like Confederate flags and, and and racism and stuff. But oh, it's there. Like oh, you know, yeah. and and the like bad history of, of doing shit like that. Yeah, it's always um, if you think about it like at a, with a wide lens. It's like speaking of <laughs> eyes. It's like um, you know, it's so funny. It's like a little island nation, but it has this like very intense imperial history, obviously. Mm-hmm. And so, also then on its soil, like, bec- I, I I do believe that things are changing uh, in the past few in the past decade or so in terms of like what does one consider to be the face of Japan? Like, uh, right. you know, there's just more mixed kiddies around um, that are also like not just going to international school and uh, they're like also in the Japanese school system and there's like more mixed like a few years ago there was the the person that was like represent it was like Miss Japan for like some pageant was half Indian and then the next and there was a lot of backlash right 
And then the next year, the winner was also was like half black Japanese. So that's interesting because that institution kind of doubled down on like Japan can be this or whatever, or right. Japanese can be this. And I would say there's a lot of like obviously like um, emphasis on in terms of beauty standards, like paler skin, yeah, um, bone straight hair. There are obviously many subcultures in like contemporary Japanese society that really like love like trying out blackness, if that makes sense, like right. um, through hairstyles or clothing or music. But I think that there's still some kind of just interesting like distance. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then the, there's the other side of the beauty standards with, I think this is maybe more of a thing in Korea where like they try and look as Caucasian as possible. Yeah. Blue contacts and skin bleaching yeah, and yeah. things like that. That's just like, you know, very kind of strange. Like they get the surgery to make their oh, eyes yeah, yeah, get yeah. around or things like that. That's also just like, Okay, so I mean, I don't pick a lane. Are you going to be like hyper, uh, you know, yeah. nationalistic? Or are you going to try and look like other people and adopt other cultures? It's 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 really there's a lot going on there. And in my earnest sense, I think Japan doesn't have as much of that. Mm. It's just more like it's just like a pretty nationalistic place. Yeah. So it's 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 <clears throat> layers of different, you know, uh, generations of nationalism and imperialism and you know American imperialism, Western imperialism rearing its head on those cultures too and like they're yeah. processing it like in different ways like everything since the korean war and world war Two, like you see the way those both of those cultures have changed um yeah and in sort of a weirdly uh just just sort of a yeah weird way like adopting kind of western stuff but in their own strange way i don't know it's yeah a, it's a very interesting culture actually when I was back there, when I was like twenty twenty one, and I was it was like my junior year of college. I was going to college in Hawaii, but I went back to Japan to spend, as I said, a year like in kind of not quite rural, but like an hour outside of Tokyo. The point is that one of the few other students that were international that spoke English, um, and so it was um, German, and we became really close. And she dated, started dating this guy at our at our school, and. Like, he was a Japanese guy, had never dated a foreign woman, and then this thing happened where his dad found out about it and, like, forbid them to date because, uh, you know, she's a foreigner. And it, it's kind of ironic because in other instances, like, the other, another German student had, uh, went to, like, a local bicycle rental shop to buy a, or get a bicycle, or not a rental, sorry, yeah. used bicycle. And then the guy gave her a discount because she was German and like World like World War Two, so that's really interesting. Like one person had this very strange experience, like personally because she was German, right? And then other people, and other people were like, "Ah, Axis powers, yeah, ah, yeah, yeah. Ah, remember, we were, yeah. we were the bad guys, <laughs> ah, we were the bad guys. It's cool, yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Wow. Um, but like, I don't know, I have. Because, like, mm, yeah, like, I only spoke Japanese until I was four. And so, to this day, I have a bit of, like, a, um, I have, like, a really, I'm, for the, for the readers at home, I'm wiggling my fingers uncomfortably. Um, like, I have kind of a complex about, like, my own, like, being perceived as an alien when I'm there to the point that, like, every time I'm back there, it really takes me a day or two to get kind of relaxed back into it, even though right. I really... I love it so much, and I really love being there, and I really miss it right now. 
in a world where we can't really travel. Right. But are people there kind of taken aback when you speak perfect Japanese yeah, like, with always. that accent and like everything? Like, like always, yeah. always. So or and so or like because also I'm a quarter, so I'm not so obviously like Japanese appearing, whatever that means. Right. And so this this also happens like here in New York. Where if I'll go into a little shop or like some restaurant and the staff is Japanese, sometimes I'll speak up in Japanese, but it's often a whole thing. And so sometimes I just, I'm like, I don't really feel like going down this path because it's like I always have to explain it. Right, it's conspicuous. And my mom tells, told me that like, I don't remember this obviously, but when I was like four-ish, that's when they transferred me to, um, when I was four or five, they transferred me to like an English language kindergarten because my dad was worried that I would get bullied and not learn English like well enough. Right, so... Did you? Uh, was I bullied? Yeah. Maybe, but not to my memory at that mm. age. I'm, I was just, like, in a little preschool. So... Right. Um, I don't know if I was. I think there's a lot of bullying that happens or did, like, in, like, higher grades in Japan. Like, yeah. in middle school, high school. Um, so, my mom told me that, like, I would always people would always freak out that there would be this like little brown girl like it's like three or whatever right. and just spoke only japanese and that it, they weren't being mm, like rude but they were just kind of like oh like uh, like fawning right and so she thinks that that feeling has like been with me for a long time like a kind of like strained relationship to that right yeah Right. So, yeah, you're, you're sort of a, I don't know, a, a novelty to, yeah. to, to people yeah. a lot of the times. Um, I imagine, uh, especially probably in the dating world, I can imagine the word exotic gets thrown, thrown oh, yeah. to you a lot. Like, <laughs> oh, you're so exotic. Like, yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. have to hear that a lot. I'm, I do. I, like, I can only imagine. I yeah. totally do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when did you move to the United States? Uh, when I, okay, I was in the middle of ninth grade. Okay. Yeah. And what was that transition like? Oh, pretty rough. Even though like the school that we were attending. You moved to DC? No, we moved to Philadelphia, Philadelphia. which is where, um, where my dad's from or where my parents met. Mm -hmm. And so, um, uh, I was like really quiet and had never, like I had gone to English language schools early, a few years ago, we'd. Like earlier in middle school, we went to an American school in Singapore when we lived there. But the point is that I had not really like experienced that, like just a, like a big American public high school, right. obviously. And so that transition was hard for me. I was really shy and I would like, um, I've talked about this before on, on a podcast too, but I would like sit in the bathroom during lunch periods because I was too shy to go hang out Aww. yeah and then i got close to my like one of the guidance counselors right and i would sometimes and i have this memory of like one time she gave me snyder's pretzels like the little sourdough yeah. niblets and i associate them always with like being kind of like cared for but then i started doing theater and that really helped and i made a really close group of friends ultimately that i'm still close to this day what drew you to theater i don't no, I remember that that wouldn't be like my assumption. Like the the girl sure, who's so shy, really that shy. She hides in the bathroom is just like I'm gonna get on stage in front of everybody. Yeah, I think it was like okay, yes and no. I feel like there is something about even a lot of comedians who are like very shy and are like really reserved, like sure. so so like socio personally, yeah. really like enjoy the stage experience. And then I think I was always kind of interested in like. 
like I was a big reader from when I was little. So I like definitely loved like story building and like mm. was interested in authors and theater as like a little teenage girl. Right. So, um, and I think I am also someone who generally really opens up when I feel like more comfortable. So I think it was like suggested, oh, you know what? I think it was initially the guidance counselor suggested it to me. First, she suggested that I do track, but I am not athletic. So that didn't last very well, uh, long. And then I started theater and that became, that was like so helpful for me. Uh, feeling like I could assimilate. I got really close to the theater instructor. Mm-hmm. And when I um, graduated high school, I got this like award related to that. And she presented it by saying like, she really was so quiet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's really, then, I'm not sure what it is about the theater program in like middle schools and high schools, but yeah. it's always like a haven for the weird kids and the shy kids. Yeah, it is. It it's is. like, it's like across the board. I've talked to so many people who are just like, yeah, I was weird. And then I found my click and it was like the weird theater kids. Yeah. And then within that, there were definitely theater kids who were like cooler. Like they like right. smoked or like would ha- or kind of like go out and like flirt at night and I wasn't really part of that but I was like adjacent so it was yeah. just like we still connected over something no, they grew up to be like the more annoying theater kids they're like mm-hmm, James mm-hmm. Corden like Disney adult kind yes. of kids 100% like, just like extroverted horses but like in a hipster yeah. way yeah yeah, yeah, yeah that kind no, of that's <laughs> so yeah then there's the other side of theater kids who like you know they they listen to Joy Division and they're yeah. like really gothy in high school yes, and then totally. they grew up to be very smart and thoughtful and interesting so, yeah, yeah yeah totally so I really, like, I always feel so grateful for that experience. And I really, like, center mm, transitioning to, an like, American high school. Mm-hmm. Like, I center theater in that because it was helpful for me. When did you decide you wanted to parlay that into uh, comedy? Um, yeah. So I was going to graduate school, and I was, like, at the end of, nearing the end of my program in D.C. And... Um, I just kind of got into local, actually, literally through like a dude who was like doing comedy at the time, and we went on some dates. I discovered that there was a local comedy scene, and separately from him, I like then got really into watching it. And because of theater, and I did, I did, I did some like black box theater stuff too in college, but it had been years. And so um, I think because of like my interest in theater, I got really into how um, I would like watch people. This was just like local. DC comedy in 2013, mm-hmm. 14, like how people would do the same joke or bit like on a different night, but it would evolve or the energy would change. And I was like really intrigued by that. Right. Like, like based on the audience or the room or like what else they're doing in their set. So you were more interested in like the performance aspect, Initially, the live aspects. Yeah. And not and so I, much the, the form of the joke itself. I don't or? know that that's true. Okay. Okay. Well, yes and no. So stand up. It's something that I did not really have experience to, mm-hmm. uh, with. Like, I wasn't raised on stand-up. But I was really, really into, like, from when I was, like, in eighth grade, I discovered, um, I discovered like, Monty Python and Blackadder and a bunch of other, like, uh, 70s, 80s, like, BBC stuff. Right. And I really got obsessed with it to the point that my parents, to this day, like, <clears throat> laugh because they're kind of like, I don't know how you discovered it. And I remember how I did. Right. But um, it was... Tokyo American Club, which is like a community center, like you could get if you were like over 12, you can get like a youth card, like a or whatever. You could get like a like a teen membership card and you could go to the VHS rental store. The point is, I was very interested in like 
humor, but in this right. like other form. Like I didn't know much about stand up. Right. Yeah. We just watched all of Mr. Bean recently. Oh my god. He's a fucking artist. It's He's so, so funny. Good. He's so good. It's just it's like yeah. clownery. It's physical. It's yeah. Just, it's really incredible. It is cl- very it's far like, from stand up because there's like not a word in it. But right. But yeah, just really, really amazing. Yeah. And I'm not like the biggest fan of like most British. Comp- I'm not the biggest Monty Python fan. I liked it when I was in like middle school. But oh, like, oh. it's it's a it's a very different thing. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of there's a lot of British comedy I do like. I love Mitchell and Webb. I love Peep Show. I love yes, I mean, I, oh, know, the original yeah. Office and stuff. So I love Peep but, Show a lot. Yeah, yeah. Peep and Show's the, incredible. Yeah. Very dark. So um, so British in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about mental health. Okay. Uh, so cool. what has your, you know, you, we talked a little bit about ADHD. Yeah. Um, but what has your uh, journey with it been a little yeah. bit more recently? Good question. Um, I think I've gone. Okay. So I've, as an adult, like through my 20s, two memorable times, like one was related to, I think when I was like just in graduate school, but then another one later was like, because of a breakup that really rocked me. I really f- went through like deep depressive phases, but I had until then not really, mm, like I hadn't really been spoken to about clinical depression. And then when I was like, I mean, in a, like a personal way where my, like, but, um, or in an evaluated, but like then in 2018, I had a job where I was like really, and I hadn't been like medicated or counseled for ADHD for years at this point. And I had like a research job at a small Smithsonian site. So I was really like, I'm having a hard time focusing. So I sought out like evaluation again for ADHD. And in that testing experience, I was also tested for depression and anxiety. And at the time, actually, I was like, I don't know what the word, like I was not cleared for either. Like I was cleared for either. So I was not, I was told that I didn't have depression or anxiety, right. but I do just have <laughs> like pretty pronounced ADHD. So that was like something that was pretty interesting. And it means that like for me personally, when I'm feeling anxiety or when I'm feeling depression, it's because it's like in relation to something that's going on in my life yeah. as opposed to something I'm experiencing clinically. And so that was like, I bring that up because it was kind of like interesting mm. and yeah, like, huh? Okay. Um, yeah. so what does this mean when I'm feeling this way? Right. Right. And so I would say, yeah. So I think that generally reflects my mental health experience these days. I think like it's been a weird year and a half. Right. Yeah. So, however, given everything, I've personally and professionally had a fine time this whole time. Yeah. So I, and I like winter, but last winter was like really tough. Like it was like very cold and obviously everything was closed. Yeah. And then, um, so, but I've, I've been okay. And then this past week, I think in relation to starting my new job, I have a joke too about how I don't have, I'm not, apparently I don't have clinical anxiety, but a lot of people like think that I do. And because of like my like energy or the way I talk. Sure. And this past week in starting this new job, I've felt such extreme like nerves that I feel like my body is like going through something like, which is just our natural reactions to those kinds of like chemical pulses coming from the brain. But something happened where my heart was like beating so 
intensely, like in relation to this job, that I was like, whoa, I wish I, I like had the tools to figure out how to relax. And then I told the, my, the guy, this dude that I'm seeing who does experience anxiety clinically, and he was like, oh, that's kind of just what a panic attack feels like. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can have them for sure. And you know, that's the, the thing with ADHD is I think it, it overlaps with a lot of other uh, mm-hmm. you know, disorders um, mm-hmm. in my amateur uh, opinion or observation, uh, overlaps a lot. There's a lot of overlap with, uh, autism spectrum mm-hmm, overlaps mm-hmm. a lot. There's overlap with, uh, BPD, borderline personality yeah, disorder, right. emotional dysregulation. Um, I have a lot of that, like, oh, okay. you know, just like off the wall emotions, yeah. um, that like just are completely outsized for the situation that I didn't know right. for a long time was actually a, uh, a symptom of ADHD. I thought that I was just like, like way too I just thought it was crazy I don't know it's just like I have ADHD I don't have like borderline I'm not like this so what's up with me like I get so like angry or I get so depressed and you know and it it does pick up um uh symptoms of of depression you know you're dopamine deficient so like a lot of times just like you find yourself craving something that's going to give you that little ping of dopamine whether it be like a snack or a like or anything yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, that, yeah. you know, totally. like, uh, or like a, a sex, purchase, yeah, you know, sex, like anything, yeah. anything that like gives you that little bit of like a bump, a yeah. little bit of a rush yeah. that like, and, um, and with the, the brain of an ADHD person often finds itself really understimulated if you get bored and then you get real depressed, at least in my experience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, so if mm-hmm. I have nothing to do, then I really sink, mm-hmm. um, and and then you know anxiety obviously like you you're high strung you have a very active mind and you know so like yeah. it's like it's a it's like a bunch of circles you know it's like more than a Venn diagram it's like a bunch of yes. circles that all sort of overlap and like those are the main ones that I've found really overlap with ADHD because yeah. it is such a kind of weird nebulous uh, and, and yeah. you know psychology in general is sort of a soft science and they're sort of figuring it out as they go along and they're making more discoveries and they're like, actually there's this and this and this. So, I know. love the visual of it as circles. And what occurred to me just now, as you were saying, that was like, even a Venn diagram feels too structured for that. Like, mm-hmm. of course, the Venn diagram is like, a, well, it's two circles, but then like, it's like kind of, it's like way more like wobbly. Yeah series of circles and it's, it's ADHD it's, it's, yeah. it's, it looks like a scribble. If you, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. if you, if you were to like, animate or illustrate ADHD it would just like look like a big you know like pig pen scribble or something yeah. you know like it's, yes, it's a, yes, it's yes, a yes, real yes. wobbly one <laughs> so you know it, it's it, that's just sort of where it I don't know goes um so what is do you know your attachment style okay. in relationships um okay can you walk me through so there's like uh the one where you're like there's uh, anxious, there's anxious one where okay. you're kind of clingy. You need a lot of reassurance. You yeah, have a yeah, lot yeah. of anxiety that they're going to leave, that they're going to find something wrong with you. I am not that one. You're I'm the other one. one. Or, oh, there's, there's, several. there's avoidance where you're kind of like, eh, I'm going to keep you at arm's distance because I'm afraid okay, of okay. intimacy. There's uh, secure, which is like kind of the most healthy, well-adjusted, whatever one that's just like, yeah, we're, we're cool. Like, I understand, like, I love you a lot, but we, I, you don't define me, Yeah, you know? Um, and then there's one other one. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. I would say that I definitely, and I've thought, I've had a conversation with a friend about this, like about a year ago. I really think that I'm, um, 
avoidant I have an avoidant mm. attachment style and I feel like I can trace it to certain things like uh, in college I had a boyfriend and it was like extremely formative for both of us but also pretty rocky and intense because now in reflection we're just like little idiots like right, right. but we were like it was like pretty unhealthy and I was very anxious and like and he and I experienced like a first tough breakup through him and then also we like went back you know we were like on and off yeah. very close and to this day I really like think he sh- you know we shaped each other in many ways in terms of like um our interests or like what kind of well like how are we like emotionally or our senses of humor that said it was like pretty rough because I experienced what it was like to feel anxious over someone like that, that I actually think it really like flipped my tendencies so Mm. that going forward after college into my twenties, I had a few very hurtful breakups or just like quote unquote breakups where I was like really into someone. And then they like, you know, um, like whatever, like left or pulled the, or like pulled the rug out from under me. I do like a healthy series of those as I think many people do, but I feel like because somehow personally, because I had like, I experienced those, I kind of just like then began to really struggle with intimacy or even ideas of monogamy. Like I don't like, I don't think like I definitely tend to put people at arm's length. I think unfortunately, particularly when they're like really good to me, mm-hmm. you know, so this comes, I'm seeing someone now who's like really awesome. And th- we talk about this sometimes. Do you yeah. tend towards monogamy in relationships? Mm, no, not by preference. Yeah. Um, I mean, I get that because like you, you, it sounds like you were like intensely hurt yeah. you know, by those first few. And then yeah. so like, yeah, it's a natural reaction to be like, okay, well then I'm just not going to put myself in that yeah. vulnerable space again you know? right it's, it's it's not that uh you know and i don't know it's like funny because on one hand is that like being strong or on one hand is that like well you're just or is creating it a, wall. a coward a coward yeah. yeah 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 of course i don't know maybe a little bit of both I don't, it's yeah. it's because you do have to then rely on yourself you know and and mm-hmm. it, it can come from that place as well you know i think it's it's just how close or not close you want to get to somebody depends on uh why you're doing it is it because yeah. you're afraid to be close to somebody then it might be an issue if it's because like you want to stand on your own two feet then it's probably fine you know it's like yes. motives like that's the you know one of the main things you uh, unlock with uh with with therapy is understanding your own motives yeah. and stuff um Shit. yes have you been in therapy not in years. Not in and years. I, keep, I said shit because I was like, right, right. <laughs> but that's in one of those, as you were talking about, the, you know, when you're talking about eyewear, like, yeah. or glass, like that's one of those things to manage. Like, like you have to like, yeah, and I've been, yeah. Um, wait, I have one other thought about that relationship stuff. Um, okay, I'll say, if I can't think of it, I'll cancel it in two seconds. Oh, so, um, oh, I know. I think for me, stand-up really fuels a sense of like, it can really fuel like a sense of like avoided attachment style because it's like extra hyper individualistic. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of like running around all the time and it's like pretty male and I'm straight or I think so like, it's like, I'm kind of like always around different kinds of male energy and like sometimes, and like I've dated comics and that has had a spectrum of like totally fine and healthy to like completely <laughs> to really hurt me. You know what I mean? Right. Like very, but, but I, my point about that is that in reaction to this stuff, I kind of just like hold everything inside in particular when it's like a guy in comedy. Cause I don't want to show vulnerability 
And uh, right. yeah, for the readers at home, I just like, <laughs> I don't know why. I like really dramatically. Yeah, you kind of crossed your I crossed chest my chest and, in yeah. protection from what elements? I don't. To protect your oh, heart yeah. from all those mean. <laughs> mean you know, you, yeah. yeah, the mean boys. who you'll, yeah. you'll be vulnerable. You'll expose your heart to them and then they'll roast you. Yeah, nice. literally, right? So, yeah. or just leave me for an audience member. So I, right. uh, <laughs> so I think that part of avoidant attachment too, for me, I guess, is like I might feel a lot of stress or anxiety about someone, but then I won't really communicate it to them at all. Mm. I've found with a lot of comedians, and I've said this many times, uh, I'll, I'll like their work a lot, but then I will hear them on podcasts and stuff, or I'll talk to them in person, and I'll be like, this is not a person who's going to be like sincere. <laughs> this is not a person who's going oh. to be able to like who I'm going to be like, be able to like get real with in any way, oh. because like their whole thing is like a is a shell, is an act, is a something else yes, that they're, yes. they're not. Yeah. Um, or they'll even say as much that's just like um, you know, just like, oh, I don't, I don't do sincerity. I don't, I don't want to, like, right. I don't, I don't do, I, I can't talk about real stuff with people. I'm like, fair enough, you know, like, oh, so. Yes, and I know, yeah, yeah right, it's, that it's a thing. And it's, um, yeah, you can feel it's like a shell. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it's, uh, it doesn't seem to be that way for you. You're, oh. you, you seem like a very open person. I was, I was, um, you know, we haven't ever talked in yeah, person before. And, you know, I was like, when you were on your way over, I was like, this will go one of two ways. Either she's going <laughs> to be like, she'll be her like, you know, her like kind of weird stage persona, which yeah. is, it's, it's a, it's a vibe for sure. And I'm not going to be able to get around that. Or she'll just be like, cool, here I am. And okay. here you are. So it's, it's very nice. Okay, um, thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Thanks for coming on. Um, I think we're about at a stopping point, actually. Uh, I got to get to fucking work. Okay. <laughs> but uh, this was great. Um, is there anything uh, that you would like to plug if uh, people want to find you and your work? Okay. Um, how about I'll just share my Instagram because I tend to post the shows that I'm doing on a weekly basis. There are bigger things related to that on there. So um, it's BRR. B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y underscore corndog, Brittany Corndog on Instagram.com. <laughs> so find me there. All right. Are you fond of corndogs? Is that the... No. Well, I do like them, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, are we still recording? Yeah. I mean, oh, that oh, was just yeah. an additional question. Oh, the that context? Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Just being silly before that, I had Brittany Carnage because my last name is Carney. Carn right. And what happened, kept happening, which is really funny, is that then you know how like you'll see someone's name sometimes on Instagram and just think it's their name. So on shows, sometimes I would be introduced as if it Brittany was Carnage? as Britney Carnage, which is really funny for several reasons. Like right. one, it's like, even if it was a stage name, I have my whole, like I have nothing about me. It's like, no, you like, don't come off as very like metal. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Like nothing. So that's really like funny. And then I also think that like, I don't know if anyone is named Carnage. So I was like, uh. Oh, the comic book character, you know, Cletus Cassidy. The, oh, really? The Marvel Comics, yeah. There's a, there's a guy named Carnage. Yeah. Maybe I've heard that. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. I guess I can rebrand. So, um, All right. Well, there's, anyway. there, he's going to be in the new Venom movie. So, like, you oh, got to capitalize on that. Oh, I see your Venom poster. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm not even like a huge fan. I just like, like that piece of art. It's awesome. Yeah. It really caught my eye. And I, I want to see. Wait, okay, I, I know we have to go, but this is yeah, my fine. last thing. I think it's cool learning about, like, the origin stories of really crazy characters in the Marvel Universe. Even I don't know that much about it, but, mm. so. Okay, I can, I can tell you about it off mic. <laughs> Great. All right, we Thanks. gotta go. All right, thank you so much. Bye.
Thank you once again to Brittany Carney for being on the show. Go see her. Go see her live if you can. If you live in the New York area, she's very funny. She has one of the weirdest just vibes, just stage presences of anybody I've ever seen perform. Just a just a weird vibe. In a good way. I mean that in a good way. I mean that in the best way. Just like very like intense and strange. Yeah, I can't describe it. You gotta go see it. Anyway, follow her. Follow her work. She's talented. She's amazing. All right. And uh, follow me. Uh, I'm okay. I'm all right, I guess. I guess you already listened to this stupid thing, so might as well. You're already on your phone. Pull it out and uh, open up social apps. Go to uh, Twitter and Instagram. Go to Radical Pearson. On Twitter and Instagram. Go to Self Worst on Instagram. Get some updates. Uh, email the show at Self Worst. Or, no, oh my god. Email the show, selfworst at gmail.com. I'm not taking that again. And, uh, you know, if you got any questions, queries, if you, if you want to fight me, debate me. I demand it. Change my mind. Patreon.com slash selfworst if you want to help us out uh, with a little bit of money. Yeah, I know that most of the people who uh, listen to this show, oh, they, they're rolling in cash. That's the, that's the kind of demo this podcast appeals to. People with a lot of disposable income. So, you know, get, 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 get a little bit of money. Do it. That'd be nice. You get some bonus content. Fun. All right. Uh, music is by Shea Bartel. Oh, please rate and review us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever you want to call it these days. They don't even know what the fuck to call themselves. Fucking train wreck. They still have my old artwork for this show that that hasn't been like that hasn't been the artwork for the show for this this show for like two years and it's still on there. It's really embarrassing. It's really annoying. I can't get them to change it, but whatever. I guess they're like the the main flagship uh, podcast app. So rate and review there, and uh, that'll help us out. That'd be very nice of you. That'd be your uh, mitzvah for the week. Am I using that correctly? Not a Jew. All right. Uh, I'm Brad Pearson. Until next time, go out and fail. It's good for you.